This is Match Point Number Nine, a tennis podcast. You can find our show Twitter at MP9Tennis. My name is David EJ Berger. I am your host alongside my main man, my main tennis talking bro, Derek. Derek, hello. How you guys doing? My name is Derek Kunimura, the tennis talking bro. You can find me on Twitter at Derek underscore sucks. I need a tennis talking bro. I mean, the reason that we're starting this podcast is so we can make time to do it because no one else will talk about it with us. I just generally try to kickstart a conversation about tennis and it is it is not a conversation starter <laughs> i had yeah, some a- good, I, I was at a party recently i brought up tennis and how i was like getting really into it this guy was like oh yeah i mean i love watching federer and Nadal back in the day you know it's like oh boy <laughs> it was like french open i was like fuck yeah french open it's coming up yeah i was talking to some random person recently and he said he was from romania and I was asking him about tennis, if he watches tennis, and I'm pretty dang sure he just wanted to act like he knew something about it. And I was like, you watch uh, tennis? And he's like, yeah. I was like, you like uh, Simona Halep? And he's like, yeah, I do. And then I was like, who else do you like? He couldn't name a single other tennis player. And I was like, are you just saying yes to keep this conversation going? So, of course, this is a perfect uh, topic uh, to start a podcast about. <laughs> I say we're pioneers. Uh, I was reading about, I guess, the viewership for F1 Formula Racing it was pretty big for ESPN2 last week. Most watched sport of the week, event of the week. And uh, the guy was giving kudos to how F1 made an effort to gain <laughs> exposure in viewership atp wta if you're listening maybe steal a page out of that playbook but that's why we're here too i mean i feel like there are others like us out there searching for somewhere to listen to some tennis content and engage with it because i know i'm thirsty for it that's why we're here so i have this crazy idea for how tennis can become popular it's if they just completely lean into the whole betting thing I mean, they're already accepting sponsorships from DraftKings and whatnot. But like at one point, I feel like one sport is just going to just lean into betting and then just show the live odds all the time on the scoreboard. So with tennis, it kind of just fluctuates a lot by the way that the waves of the game goes. And I think think that if people are watching and then to see somebody's odds go from minus 110 to plus 175 in a matter of two points or something like that, I think it's going to attract a lot of people just to, to make some bets. And once you make a bet in tennis, you kind of get hooked. Agreed. And, and way to bring it back to the show's DNA. We are a tennis gambling podcast for the most part. That's uh, how we're viewing tennis, talking about tennis. That's the lens that we're talking about tennis through. So um, is that, do you talk through lenses? You see through lenses. Maybe I could figure that one out. And I agree with you, Jake. Well, they're trying on tennis channel. They're dipping their toes. They showed the live odds and they always show like the worst live odds. Like he's currently a minus 1200. It's like, yeah. So they kind of just show it like when it's a little too late and they don't kind of show how rocky these odds can get. Even like if uh, if you think about the DraftKings commercials as well, too, I, I know this might be a techno technology issue, but if they could actually change those commercials to show the live odds rather than, hey, get your friend to sign up. You can get a free bet for a hundred dollars, like rather than just show, hey, yo, Djokovic is actually a, 
a plus 150 right now against Sitsipas or something like that. I think that would just be a way more useful commercial <laughs> rather than trying to use a promo code. Then you have uh, the tennis truthers. Like uh, I saw that guy, Craig Shapiro, who also has a tennis podcast. I'm not trying to dog him, but he, he feels like it's like a huckster routine by ATP trying to get people to, to bet on tennis. I, I mean, to me, it's like if you love and want to grow the sport, like it's a pretty good lane to go down because uh-huh. we talked about this on the podcast a couple times ago about the appeal of MMA and how that's really driven by gambling. Tennis was, um, I think of it as a sleeping giant. That's why I'm here as well, because I want to be on the upswing because I do feel like tennis is going to have an upswing. Yeah, definitely. It is a it is driven by gambling, UFC is. But I feel like you can have more on-screen action of showing what's what the odds are. With tennis, it's just like, it, it might be a completely cheap move to do that, and it's a sellout move just to be the first sport to show the live odds as the score goes by. But why not? Just do it. Somebody's going to do it first. Um, maybe tennis doesn't want to be the first ones to do it, but... What the hell? Take a shot at it. Do something. (laughs) All right, Derek. Well, normally on the podcast, for those who have listened before, we look back at the week that was in tennis, and then we look forward to the week that will be. But uh, we're throwing that format out the door because neither of us had time to prep that. And we're recording (laughs) in the middle of French qualifying and uh, two other tournaments going on as well. So things are already in the mix but i thought uh as we sit on this uh little i mean there's a lot of action going on but it's kind of a a respite week ahead of uh, the french open roland garros so i thought that might be fun to walk through the rankings and not taking the rankings you know so serious but thinking about how these players have done so far on the tour what their play has been like in terms of a uh a gambling perspective if they're uh, trending up or down, if they really uh, come out of nowhere. So just kind of getting a feel of the of the players' year so far, if you will. So I guess we're skipping over what's going on this week. So are you trying to tell me that the ultimate tennis showdown is not worthy talking about? No, we can talk about some UTS <laughs> if you want. I was actually going to no. bring that up as part of uh, the uh, other conversation. They're definitely trying different gimmicks to get people hooked into tennis starting off with a a really killer trophy i mean that's like some comic book shit <laughs> the tampa bay lightning trophy yeah that coach uh patrick put together yeah but you know you mentioned like how to get people excited in america about this is like i mean they basically made it like wwe tennis but giving people nicknames and like public enemy like he's the heel almost i I really like taylor fritz the hot shot chicks think he's hot is that what he was or does he have a hot shot or i, I don't know there's a lot i of think he's they were that. trying to make him the hunk i, I think that's <laughs> that was his role it was like the medvedev was the brain because they made him the chess master uh-huh <laughs> and then schwartzman was the short guy <laughs> poor dimitrov he didn't get considered for the uh the hunk uh well he is good looking too um he could have been, he could have played that role that <laughs> he mentioned on the tennis spot. I thought it was pretty funny that Grigor uh, must have made it in his contract that he wasn't getting a stupid nickname. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just Grigor or something, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he wasn't um, playing that game. <laughs> I was very proud of him when I saw that, but I do like Bublik just hitting volleys, uh, three champagne glasses deep guys, mm-hmm. a baller said he was in the tournament because he had nothing else better to do this week. <laughs> That's classic. <laughs> you could go out and play in the two tournaments to win some money and get a better ranking. So you're 
seated better in these tournaments. Or you can just go to the UTS tournament and just sit at the open bar the whole time. <laughs> I mean, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He's played pretty well this year. That, that's a good segue to get us going, actually, because he has had his moments as a choice dog, but then also broke our hearts as <laughs> near even money or as uh, uh, what you thought was a assured favorite. But let's just let's start here at the top here. Derek, why don't you run through these top four names for us? Okay, so we're currently looking at the ATP rankings. Uh, the top five guys, you know their names, but maybe not the order. Novak, then Medvedev, then Rafa, then team and then Sitsi Pass. Okay, so who do you think we got the French coming up? So who do you think's out of place? And what place do you think they should be in considering clay? Well, this is pretty obvious because Sitsi Pass should be over team. I mean, team should not be anywhere near four right now, but he won mm-hmm. a lot of points last year and he won a grand slam. So I mean I mean, of those names you you've mentioned, let's just talk about Med at two, who I mean, Med since we've gone clay, he's been horrible. I mean, beyond horrible. Absolutely. Like, I don't even think he's the top 10 clay player. Uh, no. <laughs> I wanted to say a higher number, but I wanted to give a safe number there. Like, he is not in the top 10. Oh, yeah. He's out at UTS. That's number one, first and foremost. <laughs> he lost to Fritz and Mute at uh, UTS, by the way. Yeah, Mute ended up winning the whole thing. Oh, really? Mute, he, he showed out on clay a little bit. All right. Med, he was doing pretty great. He had that 20-match streak up until he lost to Novak at the Australian Open, which was just a a, a terrible performance. (laughs) I think we've mentioned that a little too often. And then he lost to Leovich at Rotterdam, I'm sure as a heavy favorite. Then he went on a little bit of a run, still on hard. He won Marseille. Then he went pretty deep in Miami. That was actually... Where he lost to Batista Agu, and then, and then <laughs> the clay win- started. Then clay started, and it's been pretty few and far between in terms of the wins. He actually picked up a nice win in Madrid against uh, Davidovich Fokina, who has had himself a nice clay season. But then he lost to Garin, which okay, maybe you give that to Med. Garin's a, a, a you know an upper tier clay player. But then he turns around and he gets just ousted at Rome by Karatsev, who there's another guy that's kind of splashed on the scene that we could talk about at length then that was it he just went to uts yeah which was on clay i don't really want to even back this guy at at roland garros whatsoever i'm curious to see how far he goes but i just can't see him making it past the second no i'll say third round he's got he's got two good wins in him given his ranking so he's got some easy competition coming up the market has uh definitely corrected on Medvedev he was a I think he was like plus 150 maybe plus 120 to uh Karatsev so depending on the draw early on I look at it both ways like I mean this guy's capable of losing round one easily no matter who it is I think he's worth it it's worth a shot no matter what to just bet on him losing but then he also might come out as a dog (laughs) now which is crazy to say about like the number two player in the world like he could be an underdog at a major. Yeah, whoever the, is going to end match up as the number no, two player in the world. A hundred percent. Like whoever is going to end up in his quarter is going to be ecstatic. Like if you end up in his quarter versus end up in Sitsi Pasta's corner or Zverev's or something like that, you're, I don't know. That's the place to be. Or he even might be, a, I mean, he could be a value though too. It's like he might end up under $2 as a favorite and it's someone that he can kind of put 
three sets together to win uh, an opening grand slam, maybe a little bit more effort behind his swing. So he's an interesting one uh, and a tough read for that first week at Roland Garros. I want to touch on Novak though, real quick. So Novak has been playing great. I mean, he's a good player. He's not doing anything to win people over in terms of like fandom. I feel like he's got his fans and he's a, a spaz on the court and just generally comes off as someone you do not want to root for. Um, when he lost to Karatsev, that was awesome. <laughs> Indeed. Um, but he hasn't exactly been rolling up the titles either. I mean, so he's 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 finding landmines out there where he's definitely a significant favorite. So as he plays more tournaments, I definitely can pencil him in in the finals. But uh, you're going to find, I think you're going to find spots to really cash in on, on betting against him. Yeah, he's going to have some roadblocks along the way. I still think he's just extremely good, and he's also highly psychotic to the point where he'll just do anything it takes to win. I mean, even watching him that one day where he got, what was that, that rain delay, bailed him out against Sitsipas where he was down a set and a break, and then he came back, and then he won. I was like, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But it's like I kind of just had the feeling. I was like, he's going to win this. He's going to just recover, redo his game, and then he ended up just winning. I was like, and then he had to win another match later on the day and then play Rafa the next day, too, which he lost. Do you think uh, Pass is better than the team on clay right, right now? Right now, 100%. I mean, I don't even think that's a what question. What about two years ago or a year ago? A year ago, I would say the team is the prince of clay. Uh-huh. I think Pass has been incredible during this clay season. And um, the problem yeah, is... Yeah, that- he really has. The problem is that he's priced appropriately most times. He's living as a $2 favorite. It's hard to catch him. You know, you're, you're basically having to find, if you want to play play him, you're you're going to have to find a, a games total or, you know, some, some other way in. And I also find that he's a bit erratic in terms of the pace of play of the match. Sometimes he's super on and he dominates. Other times he goes a bit long. He's a tough one to uh, have a routine wager on. But he's yeah, but no. it's because of his play, he's been so good. Yeah, he's a very consistent player. That's why I think he is better than team right now. Because teams, I don't know what's going on in his head, but it's not there. I think if it is there though, and if he is focused and has the desire to win this, I think he could beat Boss. I would actually like to see them square out and see who would be the victor of that. But only time will tell. Yeah, that thing will be a banger five set. Let's keep going here. Let's walk us through the um, six through ten. So we got Zverev, then Rublev, then that one fossil dude named Roger Federer, and Berrettini, and then Diego Schwartzman. Obviously, the name that pops up first in my head is Fed, who has an incredible amount of accolades and incredible amount of question marks now so obviously you don't want to line up against him because he's fed but do you want to line up against fed i mean do you want to play fed at the price that he's gonna draw in any given match my take on fed is i thought he looked pretty good against um anduhar anduhar who i think is a, a you know a solid clay player a professional tennis player uh, you know, he's not going to go out there and just dump against Federer, who's still working his way into form. I'm just curious what the market is going to do for Fed. I think he's going to be overvalued. 
and you're going to be able to make a play on him when he's mm-hmm. going to be find himself too deep underwater and not be able to get out, similar to uh, what happened against Andujar. But at the same time, I think that if that happens a couple times and his price comes down a little bit, he comes back into form, you're going to find some nice spots to play Fed. So really is just about reading like match to match what what's going on with him because his price is about to go up and down. But as for Roland Garros, since that's what we got on hand, it's I think at the beginning, obviously he's going to be rusty. Um, what I hope is going to happen is that he catches a groove, but I think he's just going to have some rocky matches in the first few rounds if he makes it through. So maybe bet the spread, take the other guy, take his opponents um, in the first couple rounds. And then if it looks like he's coming to form, like what David just said, uh, start betting on Fed. Yeah, our game's over uh, round one wouldn't be terrible, depending on the draw. Fed went three with Evans, one of his other matches this year. So most of his matches have gone all the way. Yeah, he's going to be dropping sets uh, in the first couple rounds at least. And then I think he's probably going to show up and looking like Fed in a round, and then he's going to start deteriorating. Let's get another guy out of the way quickly, uh, Diego Schwartzman, who has just been, I mean, he's been a dream to fade this year. Does he have a signature win or signature tournament, really? He does not, I don't think. No. Uh, he's really hard for me to bet on these days. Like, he was a lock last year, and then now he's just not consistent. He's not to be trusted. So I would just steer clear of him just because, one, he can win, and two, he can easily lose, too. He's losing as short favorites and nice-priced dogs. I liked him as uh, as an underdog against Karatsev. Granted, Karatsev is the Terminator. You don't want to bet against him. He's been hot. But I, I was thinking, you know, Schwartzman is a top 10 player. This is Clay, his surface. This might be a match where the odds are a bit upside down. But no, Schwartzman went out there <laughs> and got handled. Uh-uh. And even looking at the two tournaments after that, he lost in his first match at both of those. Yeah, he lost. Uh, if you want to count that Karatsev one, that's three straight that he lost in his first match at in three tournaments in a row. Oof. He's a top 10 player. <laughs> yeah. And Clay is his surface. So that'll be an interesting spot, depending on his draw uh, for Roland Garros. Like, when is this guy going to get bounced? Because it seems like it's it's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, granted that this draw is really large. He's going to win the first couple rounds for sure without a doubt in my mind. But yeah, he could get like a pretty nasty like third round draw. Like he lost to Gasquet. Yeah. Recently. So like I can see him lining up against Gasquet in the third round or somebody of that quality. And he could easily lose at that spot. Outside of uh, Novak and Nadal, I mean, I would say that the other two best players on the tour this season, hardcore and through Clay has been Tsitsipas and Zverev, which is very annoying to say. We won a, a a pretty big tournament on clay, and he also won Acapulco on hard court. So he's 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 doing his thing. Yeah, he's kind of rolling right now. And I think he's going to carry that into the French Open pretty easily. I don't want to see him to go far, but I have a feeling he's going to make it to the quarters. But... We have to keep in mind, he does dump matches. He lost uh, as a pretty significant favorite against Rusevori, who 
post that match has sucked. They lost to Rafa at Rome. Ivashka at Munich. Yeah, Ivashka at Munich, which Ivashka yeah. kind of had a little bit of a run. That's still a dud of a loss. Yeah. So there are spots to catch the other side of Zverev, even though he's been arguably. I think that that works out for a gambler. It's like he's been so dominant, but then also dumped at spots where you could have rake some cash if you just went against him, knowing his tendency to dump every now and then. Okay, so say if a quarterfinal was Zverev team, who would you take? Where would you place your bet? I would bet on Zverev for sure. But I think that oh, Zverev damn. right now, the market would have him. I think it would actually be a pretty nice price. I would say like minus 180 against team. Oh, you think you might minus 180? Damn. Okay. If I had to guess, I don't I mean, I think the market is pretty down on team, especially in that matchup right now. A team is someone, listen, you might find some nice team prices during Roland Garros where he's going to either play, wait, like hit that game's over because he's just trying to get his form back mm-hmm. or he's going to be too short a favorite against someone that they're like, oh, he could lose, you know, kind of like, you know, if you're trying to spot, he's been dumping a lot. So it's like you're trying to find a spot where he's out of place in that match, but uh, then team just kind of easily rolls as, as it gets going. So I don't know. It's like some of these guys have been all over the place in their, in their results. So that's part of the, part of the fun of, uh, of tennis and gambling on it. Quite frankly, Matteo Berrettini is now, the ninth best player in the world. He's earned that. He's played great coming off injury. I think he had an abs injury since he's been back. He lost. Lost to Sitsipas at Rome and and Zverev before that at Madrid. But, yeah, don't forget that he beat uh, Karatsev in the final at Belgrade. Like, his win-loss record on clay this year is pretty damn good. He had a nice draw in Belgrade other than the Karatsev match. But he beat Chechenato, Kranovich, and Daniel. So he's picking up some some wins. And you know what? That's actually kind of underrated on the tour, beating guys you're supposed to beat. A lot of players do not do that. <laughs> no, they did not. And he had a nice run. Yeah, seven. he's 10-3 and three on clay this season. Yeah, 10-3 and three on clay this season. He's been earning points and some money. Yeah, so I'd say he's... And I would say the market is pretty soft on this guy. He's never too much of a favorite, and he's never and he catches some nice dog prices too. Yeah, I feel like he doesn't catch very much media attention as well too, and that might be part of the reason why a lot of people just don't bet him as well because some of the odds are just obviously based upon how many people bet him, and he's never really someone where you just like he's eye popping or anything like that. But he's been quietly winning. And also quietly won a tournament this year, too. And then I guess uh, we have the seventh spot here, Rublev. Rublev somehow hasn't won a tournament in a long time. This is very unlike him. He hasn't won since uh, Rotterdam in March. He's been not great. He had that big win against Rafa at Monte Carlo. I'm sure he cashes a nice underdog there. But he has been a, a leading favorite in most of his matches, and He's not been bulletproof at all. And he's running into some difficult players. Like, he lost to center at Barcelona, which is respectable. It's freaking center. And then at Madrid, he lost to Isner, who was just on fire that entire week. And 
then he lost to Sanego, who's coming off as some sort of like tennis boy genius at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I wouldn't say he's just getting dusted or anything like that, but he has been losing. I mean, he lost the Hurricats at Miami, which uh, I, I don't think he should be losing to that guy, especially on a hard court. So, but I mean, like he still beat Rafa, so he should beat the players that he should beat. He probably has a nice price, uh, a nice futures price for Roland Garros. And that would be worth a sprinkle. You know, he can go on a run out of nowhere. He's a good enough clay player to beat everyone on this tour. Yeah, I'd say uh, not a heavy sprinkle, a small (laughs) sprinkle, and probably hedge along the way of that that $10 bill you'll lay down on him. I kind of was in the camp of trusting Rublev, and I feel like this has not been a campaign that's led to more trust. I do like him. I think he's a good player, but I think the problem is, is that Oddsmaker thinks the same thing too. So even if he does win matches, it's not worth betting on. And then the only one where he won as a dog was probably against Rafa. In conclusion, I think he's just a hard guy just to bet on. Yeah. Let's go up to 30. And do 11 through 20 real quick. In order, we got Robbie Betts, then Karino Busta, then Gofan, Shapovalov, Monfis, Casper Rude, Grigor, Grigor Dimitrov, Milos Raonic, Sinner, Hercats, then Felix. Well, let's get Monfis out of the way real quick. Uh, he won his <laughs> first match since uh, the restart from COVID, which, by the way, it was not this year. He's been training with Federer. He got engaged. He's worth actually more money than you think. He's won a decent amount of money on tour. I question how into it he really is right now. Yeah, he's getting older. I mean, he's 34. He plays a pretty athletic game, runs the court a lot, does a lot of court coverage. So that's going to eventually take a toll on him. I mean, he does a lot of start stops. It's got to be pretty hard on his legs and his body. As fast as he runs is as fast as he deteriorates. But I would just love to see Monfils make a run here, especially because it's in France, and he's one hell of an entertainer. Agreed. It'd be awesome if he did something. Talk about don't factor rankings into your bets. I mean, this guy's an underdog in his first qualifying match for the French Open. He's 14th in the world. Just looking at these guys that are like 11 through 20, if you had anybody just look at those names and try to actually correctly place the ranking on them, I bet you no one would really get that right. There's no way. Unless they actually memorize ATP rankings. I, I don't think so. It's like, I think this is where the ATP, like outside the top 10, maybe even you could say the top eight, top five. It's kind of just like a hodgepodge over here. I agree. I would say match over match, this group after the top 10 uh, is either going to present themselves as a nice favorite or a nice underdog over plus 120 uh, week to week on the course of the tour like i guess at least three of these guys lose what before the fourth round before the third maybe even i mean i would say uh, agu has a shot at the quarters he's been playing well he's been paying off too if you've been betting agu okay so what do you do with casper rude here he's been on quite a streak or quite a run here I'm a rude boy, as uh, noted on our last uh, the podcast. I, I coined that what the, the stands for rude are called. They're called rude boys or rude girls, um, rude people, whatever. <laughs> I would look to fade rude. 
I feel like every time I believe in Rude, he, he always disappoints me. It's one thing to kind of cruise through these smaller, like win a 250. If I'm looking to bet him against, let's say if it's him and Rublev, right? Uh-huh. I, I would guess that he's close to a $2 underdog in that yeah. match. Uh-huh. I, I would still lean Rublev. I don't know that I would chase Rude. Okay, what about Rude versus Dimitrov? Well, I would think Rude would would actually be the favorite in that match. Yeah, and it, but so but too. it would it would be closer to toss up odds, I think, and I would go Rude. Okay. Yeah. See, that's how I see it too. I just don't think he can beat somebody that's top five, but I think he has the chance to upset somebody in like six through ten. Yeah, I don't think that. Well, I don't know that he's beating a goo. I don't know that he's beating Busta. Maybe not center either. But besides that, he could he could beat all these guys. Anyone below him. He could beat Berrettini. He could beat Federer in top 10. Yeah. He could beat Team. Well, no, he sucks against Team. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to That'd get actually be a get-right match that. for a Team. He could beat Med on clay. He could definitely beat Schwartzman. I don't see him beating Zverev, Tsitsipas, Nadal, Joker. Depending on any given match, any of these guys, you know, he could drop, but he could lose to any, uh, to Garin. He's probably beating Wawrinka, who's sitting at 24. Karatsev. He's probably losing to Karatsev at this moment in time. But that's the fun, though, too, is like, I, I would love to know what the odds are on a Karatsev Rude match, because that, that, that could be a spot I would want to play Rude as a, an underdog. Yeah, I like the odds on all Karatsev matches. I'm just a big Karatsev fan now. <laughs> Let's just touch base quickly on some of these guys. Karina Busta, I think he could make the quarters. Ron Garros. He was hurt too. He didn't have a great hard court season. He didn't really make a lot of noise. He did win a 250, I think, on clay. Yeah, he won Marbella and then he lost to Casper Rude, of course, and then Monte Carlo, and then lost to Rafa, and then Del Bonus, and then Nishikori. So his last two tournaments wasn't too hot, but we all know how good he is. Those were some nice dog hits for whoever bet against Busta. <laughs> yeah. Del Bonus, I mean, that's a pretty bad L for Busta. <laughs> you got to be a pretty big Del Bonus fan. You got some, it's like five guys in Argentina that probably won that bet. <laughs> Goffin, that guy is untrustworthy as it gets. Betting for or against. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, you don't really know when he's going to show up. And even when he does show up, like if you bet on him, <laughs> you watch that, oh, you're going to be sweating bullets. <laughs> What what's going on with Milos Ronic? I feel like <laughs> that guy. I didn't realize he was so freaking good prior to like 2018. Then he just fell off a cliff. Yeah, he's made it to finals of slams and stuff before. Uh, what happens to him? Uh, this is a question I ask every single year. He's like a guy that he'll come out, he'll dominate, and then he'll just go into hibernation for a little bit. And he completely forget about who he is. He's like Stevie Johnson, except he's a whole lot better yeah. in terms of just hibernating. But yeah, he's just a serve guy. He's a guy that like will hang out in the $2 favorite range in his early matches and will dump, catch a nice win against him. But then I wish his profile was as a dog that cashes, but that is not his profile. <laughs> his profile is a dude who loses as a heavy, a heavy favorite or loses as an underdog. No, I totally agree. He's hard to, hard to bet on. I still think he is the best Canadian player, though, despite what the rankings say. Oh, well, that's not saying much. I mean, <laughs> it's not. Shapovalov, he had a horrible clay season, and now he's injured. I mean, maybe the injury was part of it. 
but we actually did a podcast where we didn't say it was his to lose, but it was kind of a gift after a bad loss. I, well, what tournament was that? He lost to Mute. Well, he lost it to FAA the week before. At Barcelona, he picked up a nice win against Chardy. Chardy has been tricky this year, a player he should beat, but then he lost to FAA and they lost to Mute in Portugal the week after on a draw that was like the gift to him. He should have like cruised to at least the semis. He then picked up a win against Leovic, who has literally, I don't, when was his last win? I'm not joking. When was his last <laughs> final thought? Uh, he picked up a win against uh, Barrancas yesterday. Other than that, he had lost one, two, three, four, five, six, seven matches in a row. Congrats. Congrats, Leovic. You won against Barrancas. Your <laughs> tennis career is back. He did pick up a set against Nadal at Rome, which is something. I'll give, I'll say that's something. Yeah, it's somewhat notable, but still. He did have a nice little run at beating some just clay guys that could beat him in Chechenato, Jera, and Cuevas at Geneva before losing to Rude in the final. Like all those guys that are like <laughs> not even top 30. So we'll, we'll yeah, see. He should have beat all those guys. He might be a guy that next time you see his name on the slate, like bet against because who knows what we'll be getting. How great would it be if Yannick Center won the French Open? It would be a 33 to 1 chance. That's what his current futures are. Yeah, so he's sitting at thirty, yeah, plus thirty three hundred. It would be great. Oh boy, that'd be awesome. Oh. You know, you know why it would be awesome? Because he'd win as a significant dog in a couple big matches. It's okay. Who do you think is going to be the next like first time Grand Slam winner? Someone really random, because I feel like that's also how a lot of these tournaments have played out. Aside from those that those four names we mentioned earlier novak nadal steph zverev i mean her cast won twice he won a thousand that's weird that is very weird i think the italians are interesting it it, it feels like sinners building that resume to get the job as a slam winner his Italian brethren are all really good too. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is Rafa Nadal is still around uh, for the one clay clay major, and these guys. Uh, I would say the other Italians feel very clay dependent, whereas Sinner I think has more of an all around game. Yeah, it's gonna take a little bit I think for Sinner to win. I think he's still a couple of years out. I still think he will win one. I kind of trust Sinner a little bit. He has some nice wins as a favorite to trust even gambling-wise. I did bet him live against uh, Rinder Kench, Rindernich, Natch, whatever Frenchman he lost to in Lyon. And he ended up dropping that and kind of uncenter-like. He lost 7-5 in the third. He lost to Poprin in Madrid, which I kind of felt like he might. Poprin is a, a decent young player as well and he just has a a different style a youthful exuberance that that center hadn't really come up against in a while he's been playing more polished older veteran pro players but yeah he, he won against uh, batista agu early on in, in barcelona which was a nice win he beat rublev in barcelona he's in miami he made the finals and he had some nice wins as a favorite He's just all around great. 
<laughs> it would be even greater if he actually won the French. God, if he beat Novak or uh, Rafa, that'd, that'd be a really fun sight to see. The big Parmesan, man. You know, he's a Parmesan spokesman. Oh, he, <laughs> is he? He's yeah. like one of his uh, sponsors. I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. His the photo, like he go to his, his Twitter account. He has a hilarious ad that he's in. Hilarious because it's Parmesan cheese. <laughs> like what kind of commercial do you do for Parmesan cheese? I don't know. Is he grading it with like the racket or something like that? Well, well, how many wins are you giving Hubert Hercas at uh, the French? One. I don't think his game really translates very well to to clay. Don't disagree. Felix, FAA, he's he's got maybe two wins in him. Even with Tony Nadal on his on his side, I mean, <laughs> it hasn't paid any dividends so far. No, <laughs> I always think back to the U.S. Open last year, where we all thought FAA versus Team was going to be this like fireworks <laughs> match, and then Team just fucking killed them. So I don't think the FAA has shown me anything to believe. Uh, I will say the market really has no idea how to price FAA. That's the one kind of thing that keeps me coming back to them because we boarded Musetti against them. Musetti was plus one forty against. FAA? Are you uh-huh. effing serious? <laughs> like, yeah. Sometimes I think that people still like have his odds calculated based upon the fact that he was just some child prodigy, and now that he's an adult and not really living up to his prophecy. Well, I mean, he's still very young. He's twenty years old. Let's not like. Yeah. Well, at the same not... time, he's very inconsistent, and even when he wins matches, you're kind of like, okay, he kind of maybe got lucky there right Karatsev locked it in at 27 it would take seven more years like if he if FAA locked it in anytime before that he would still be on the the right side of his career <laughs> like <laughs> to I do that next Karatsev is going to be and there's probably not going to be another one ever I hope like Felix just sitting there talking to Tony at all he's like Give me time, man. I'm not even 27 like Oslan Karatsev yet. <laughs> He's like, what, dude? Shut up. Well, speaking of, uh, in his tier, which we'll go up to um, the 30s here, that's when the American players start to make it on the rankings, and then who really cares after that? <laughs> uh, I, we'll go up to 32. Ugo Umber, who has had a horrible 2021, other than his mom and him having the same haircut and that giving him a lot of press (laughs) he's gonna start playing better and now he's a pretty routine dog his draw at the french definitely will be something i'm looking at yeah i think we need to stop calling him ugo boss ugo not the boss that's for sure but then we have kind of a mixed bag of guys from the 22 to 32 range that uh, ugo kind of bookends here we got demon hour who I mean, might have had an even worse 2021 than uh, Ugo. That guy's stunk, losing as a heavy favorite often. Uh, he did pick up some wins, I think, as a dog like two tournaments ago before getting ousted again. Taking a look at these guys between 23 and 32. Uh, guy that stands out to me is Sinego. The Italians, as you touched on, are 
very interesting at this point in time. And Senego's kind of proving himself. I can see him pulling an upset. I would not want to be in this guy's quarter. He's a definite dark horse to make the quarters. For sure. Um, At Madrid, Diemenauer beat Munar and Sir Lloyd Harris. uh, And then he lost to team, which does not say a lot right now. (laughs) No. Good job for giving team a dub. Somehow Fonini is sneaking in here at 29, and he's an auto-fader. You play against him. Yeah, is that a typo or what? <laughs> no, he he held on to his uh, – he was like COVID 14 yeah, forever. Evans has had a pretty nice uh, year so far, paying off as an underdog and a favorite. Yeah, for sure. I can see him making it to, I don't know, round of 32. Agreed. Garin. He's been very green like. Uh, he kind of sucked to start out the year. Then he won uh, a tournament. I think he won a 250. I'm just going to say he loses in the second round. That seems like a very green thing to do. It is very green. <laughs> like, I don't even know what his draw is. I don't know who he's going to play, but I know him as a player. And I think he's out in the second round. He lost his first round match to to Nishikori <laughs> at Barcelona. Uh, it was Madrid. He picked up some wins. He beat Medvedev, uh, <laughs> and then lost to Berrettini. Beat Medvedev. Yeah, Nishikori though he's been showing some old form. I agree. And then it seems like he runs out of gas a little bit, showing a little bit of age at the same time. This Santiago ATP stop that Garin won is a glorified challenger. He beat Bagnus. <laughs> he beat challenger guys. He beat Bagnus, Galan, Varija, Tiboli, Tibolo, Tibolo, I don't know. And another guy. Yeah, it doesn't give him any credit that you can't pronounce his names. I mean, that just sounds like a pickup tennis tournament not to mention kicking off the year with the loss to chad harrison (laughs) who (laughs) a deep track american (laughs) yeah oh ryan harrison's brother right what is up with chorich he doesn't play very much no i haven't seen him in a while he must be hurt or something after this is a good run of dudes although cam nori has had a nice little clay run here. Made a couple finals and lost. It gets really spotty. Man, curious all the way down at 56. Hey, but he's uh, pretty high up on the the Twitch leaderboards <laughs> for Call of Duty. Some names I like to play uh, that I think are good and up and coming deeper down here. 62, Alexi Popren. We're pretty into that guy. He's He's going to have some nice odds for the rest of the year. Either as a short favorite or a nice dog. This guy's a, in a prime spot to win some matches. Mm-hmm. Sebastian Corda is right there at 63 with him. He's been pretty iffy. On He's clay. been extremely iffy on clay, which was supposed to be Corda season. He has not looked good since the very first part of this year. Yeah, uh, since Miami. Yeah. Wow. Sandra is 66. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Mute is down here at 72. Mute has definitely been playing better than a lot of guys ahead of him. Uh-huh. Yeah, there definitely is not 71 players that have been playing better than him 
on Death the Definitely not. Hell no. One of them apparently being Tennis Sangren is higher than him. Yeah. Uh, Musetti was like so deep that he's just up to 76. Uh, he's been playing well. He's leapfrogged uh, Travaglia on the Italian front. Uh, Pierre Huse Bear has been playing pretty decent. He has. He's down here at 83. He's been someone to that pays off in like the minus 155 range. And also picking up some wins as a, a dog here and there. Got Stevie Johnson still there. 86. And Here's then boy, Alcaraz. Alcaraz in the top 100, up 20 spots. How, how did you do that? He must have won a challenger or something. Did he win like two in one week? <laughs> and then we got a bunch of clay guys who probably picked up points throughout the clay season. Landero, Benya. Oh, and then Ivashka here at 89, who yeah. has randomly picked up some nice wins. Yeah, I'm not a big Ivashka fan. Are you or what? No, no. But he is someone that I feel that I think if he's, he's got on upset a, potential. Yeah, if he's on a wave this year, he's got up. I mean, it's especially like against guys that like if it was Ivashka Albo and it was only like minus 130 of Ashka. <laughs> I'm like, I'll probably, probably eat that short juice on a Vashka. It's not a bad bet. No, I would do the same thing. <laughs> I kind of like Major a little bit too. Yeah, he's interesting. He, he is pretty interesting. Him I think and he's a pretty good clay player. Yeah, him and Munar, I think, are, are, are fighters on the court. All right, that pretty much wraps it up. We should mention, there's some names we should mention that we kind of just glossed over, I feel. Well, one is Vucevic, who's been playing pretty well this year. He's hanging out as the, only the 44th ranked player in the world. But, man, that guy's in every match he's in. Yeah, he's definitely playing like a top 20 player. No doubt this season. Davidovich Fokina, he is like 21 years old. He seems like he might have some uh, some potential. Now, does that guy bleach his hair or is he blonde? <laughs> I think it's just blonde. <laughs> I like him more as an underdog than a favorite. I, I do. Like, I don't love... I, I, I want to believe in, like, eating the short juice with him, which I would be cool with if I trusted him more, but I don't. I think he's still inconsistent to be more appealing as an underdog than a favorite. Yeah, I got a fond memory of me betting on him against Hatchinoff and Fokina Wan. And I'm like, all right, I got Fokina as a win as a dog and then i just never bet him again all right derek we've said it all we've produced some tennis content for the world that's what it, this world needs maybe we'll try to do this again either early on to roller garros or before to go through that draw for realsies we kind of did a bit of a, a general preview this time but uh, we can really dig in to some of these matches uh it's gonna be exciting i'm ready for five sets i'm ready for <laughs> the graphics are different for rolling Garros for some reason but i love it i'm pretty excited for the french as well too it's like do we haven't seen a slam in a while uh i haven't seen the graphics maybe i'll check them out you should definitely check is out the graphics hilarious or, or no, is it, there's, uh, no it's like they actually like like tennis channel hasn't changed it. I, like i watch old um matches from like four years ago it's the same graphic they haven't changed it at all I like seeing it's like this squared off. Yeah, it's it's I don't know. It's very bland. Yeah, it's very well, tennis channel. Well, the 
the the French gets their own graphic because it's a big deal, and uh, it's nice to have big field tennis once again. Um, and once again, our show handle at MP9 Tennis. Follow us. We post a board more times than not. Not every day, always, but uh, more times than not, we post a board with some plays we like. Its record is uh, redacted. No, uh, it's a little bit under 500, but uh, <laughs> it's been doing well. We took an early stumble and uh, we've been digging out of that hole. So, clay season has been good for the board, I would say, actually. For sure. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, uh, see you on the court.